Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Comments are still headed. What else is on? Yeah, let's see what else. Coming to you now from the largest studio ever constructed, it's the Truman Show! Yeah! Good morning! Good morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> what if? No scripts, no cue cards. Morning, Spencer! How's it going? What if you were watched every moment of your life? How many cameras you got there in that town? I believe Truman is the first child to have been legally adopted by a corporation. That's correct. Brilliant. What if everyone you knew was pretending? Hi, honey. Look what I got at the checkout. Dishwasher safe. <laughs> That's amazing. Welcome to Rewatchability and Merry Christmas to you all out there. It's Christmas Day, Rob. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas Joy to you. Joyeux Noel. Oh, wow. You're pulling out our, our national second language here. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. National other language? I don't know. We can't say it's just second. We lost all our Quebec followers right that's now. That's right. We're sorry, Quebec. And sorry, Maurice. And you really give us the Christmas, you know? Yeah. Have you ever been to Quebec in, in the Christmas time? Uh, I Christmas have not. Markets? No. It's very nice. Well, I mean... My town was close to the border of Quebec, so we would go there to go see strippers. <laughs> and there was a stripper named Merry Christmas. No, that's not that's not true. And I never no. actually went, but people did. No. But you got stockings that year, which is nice. <laughs> that is nice. Thank you for tuning in to Rewatchability on this, uh, on this in this holiday season. This is our last Christmas episode for the decade. Oh my God! Oh, wow. We started a year into this decade, and we are uh, out of the decade now. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane to me. It seems crazy. We've been doing this so long. I feel like a sixty-year-old man. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like uh, can't we like you know Tim Allen this onto somebody else like Santa Closet? <laughs> now it's your problem. <laughs> yeah, we should we should like get Chris Pratt doing it. Wasn't he going to take over like every oh, Hollywood? Yeah. <laughs> he would be, be good. He would be good. Yeah, he'd, he, he as me. Right. Yes, as you. I don't know who we'd get for you, Josh Gad or something. We'd get the. <laughs> God damn it. I was going to insult myself by saying early Chris Pratt. And then you, you went ahead and did get Josh fucking Gary. Wow, early Chris Pratt is best Chris Pratt. So <laughs> Merry Christmas, Blaine. Well, look, Gad is making, you know, Frozen 2. He's, he's rolling that Disney dough. Wow. Let's get into the podcast. Well, wait, here. why are we doing this movie? Because it is Christmas Day and... The Truman Show is not a Christmas movie by any stretch of the imagination, though... Actually, it might be. And we'll get into that. But what were you going to say, Rob? Well, I was going to say, you know, there's like the Kristoff character is kind of like Christy. (laughs) (laughs) And it is his birthday. (laughs) 
So technically, it is a Christmas movie. There you Happy go. Happy birthday, Christoph. Christoph, the, the Jesus that we all know. Merry christoph That's the worst. No, but this is, to be completely transparent, this is a movie that we've intended to do for a while. Or at least, it's a movie that I've strung you along with over the years, saying, yes, Soon Blade... Because this is your favorite movie, isn't it? It was one of my favorite movies when it came out. That is entirely correct. I loved the shit out of this movie. So I kept saying that one day, soon, maybe next week, we'll do the Truman Show. And I think we've even like planned to do the Truman Show, and then we've like bumped it the last minute for something else uh, because there was a guest situation or just to ruin Blaine's self-esteem. <laughs> It's like the Matt Damon of the Jimmy Kimmel show yeah. of movies. Yeah. That was a ham-fisted metaphor. It was very ham-fisted. <laughs> but ham is a thing that you serve at Christmas dinner. So Thank again, it works me. for the podcast. Thank you for saving me. So I thought, you know, we talk about Christmas movies all December, every yeah. December. It's a lot. And Christmas isn't A, celebrated by everybody B, enjoyed by everybody. I don't love Christmas. Mm -hmm. I've come to terms with Christmas. (laughs) And maybe if you're listening to this podcast on Christmas Day, you might not want to talk about Christmas. You might want to be like, I want to talk about some other thing other than some dumb Christmas movie. Yeah. And also if you have better shit to do on Christmas Day than listen to a podcast. Yeah. You know, you might want to listen to this on Boxing Day. It's still relevant. This is (laughs) not have the same expiration date that, you know, talking about the old-timey Christmas carol does. Yeah. You don't want to listen to that in, like, fucking March. <laughs> so we're bringing you The Truman Show because uh, this is this is our gift to ourselves. Yeah. Rob's gift to me and and our, our gift to you. No oh. more Christmas. And, Blaine, I did... I did kind of get you a little bit of a Christmas present. What are you ki- are you kidding? It's you know don't get too excited. No, this is I feel so bad. I didn't I didn't get you anything. No, I know you you give me nothing all year round. But- Rob Rob once showed up to my birthday <laughs> with like that one of the old Ninja Turtles. We had just done the Ninja Turtles podcast, and it was this old like action Ninja Turtles figurine. And I was like, this is so nice. Like no one, yep. I didn't expect anyone to give me a present yep. on my birthday. And he had taken it out of the package, you know, ready for me to play with, which is very nice for set up on my desk. Yep. And he handed it to me and said, <laughs> I found this in the garbage. Yeah. And that was my and, – and then he never said happy birthday. <laughs> I didn't know it was no, your birthday. You, <laughs> and I kind of wanted that turtle back. You did drink some of my beer and then left though. <laughs> so that was nice. So we don't talk about this on the podcast, but a tradition that we do – is after we record, we go to the record store. Oh, wow. And go through the bins of the records. So I just got a couple of oh, soundtrack that's, records. That's so nice. For Blaine. This is honestly the the biggest. This is so nice. This one's for me, the Lou Reed one. But, okay. Uh, <laughs> that was the good one. Okay, I got cool. you Vangelis, Chariots of Fire. Oh, that's a classic Do you have soundtrack. this? I don't have that. Okay, because, you know, you're a writer. You need something with instrumentals. And yeah. this will, like, motivate you to, like, get to that finish line. Ba, 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 ba. Exactly. And then this other one I got is the the original motion picture soundtrack for The Blue Lagoon, which is a movie I remember seeing as a kid, but I don't think we should ever talk about on the podcast. No, I mean, the the poster of it on the record, oh my lord, the back of it is just a naked 
children it looks like and they're they're like brother and sister too that's are the they? other thing this, this is, is like look wait uh le cousin's dangerous <laughs> <laughs> this is dangerous on so many levels rob brooke shields this might be the most inappropriate gift that i've ever been given but i think it'll also be really good great music and you don't have to think about the perviness <laughs> for you blade that's so nice that's, merry christmas that's really nice and you left the price tag on which is i think my favorite part of this <laughs> gift <laughs> Well, dude, thank you so much. You're welcome. I, I got you something a little bit, too. It's the uh, Chariots of Fire <laughs> soundtrack to the movie. Wow! <laughs> I know that you're. Uh, we do this record thing. After the... No, this is really nice. Thank you, Rob. Listen to them. I expect a report. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll okay. do my record report. So let's get into our Christmas episode. <clears throat> yeah, of The Truman Show, starring Jim Carrey. Starring Jim Carrey. Blaine, when was the first time... That you saw the Truman Show, I remember seeing this in theater in theaters, but I don't remember who I saw it with because I was just so blindsided by the movie itself. Like I loved it so much that I was just so sucked into it and could not focus on anything else. I thought about this movie for weeks. Wow! I wrote little short stories around the movie. Wow! I was like, I was a teenager like fan at the fiction? time. Like it flash was a, fiction? I mean, maybe, yeah. You know, little little Meryl on the side, you know? No, but I, I love... it's erotic show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man in all capitals on the title. No, I I, I, uh, I liked it a lot, you could say. Okay. And I wanted the DVD as soon you? as it came out. This was like 1998? Right. So you Somewhere. saw it right when it came out. Yeah. And I was, uh, yeah, I was pretty obsessed with it. I, I thought that Jim Carrey, like, deserved, I would followed all the awards that season. Right. I was really into the awards. I was like, how did this get nominated for Best Director and not Best Picture? Right. How did Jim Carrey get shut out of the Oscars altogether? They hate comedies. They hate Jim Carrey. They yeah. hate life. Yeah. You know? And I thought that was the worst thing that the Oscars could ever do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Then 2016 came along. But yeah, I loved that Jim Carrey got an award from the MTV Movie Awards. Okay. That they gave him something. The Golden Globes gave him something that year. I think he got Best Fart from the MTV Movie Awards the previous year. Yeah. For Ace Ventura 2. Yeah, yeah. So He uh, He was very talented. He's a talented artist. He is. He's a painter Sorry, now. Fartist. <laughs> um, he is a painter now. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about all of that. I have some theories about Jim Carrey late in his life that pertain to this movie. Okay. We can talk about that at the end in the okay. last half of this. But when did you first see, see this movie? This this wonderful cinematic piece, Rob. Mm-hmm. So I've seen it, but I ha- I do this thing. It's uh. It's kind of shameful, and I hope I, I fall asleep a lot. And I, I think that's because you do this other thing that's legal now. <laughs> but I think that's because you do that. This was even before that because oh, yeah. it was in university. I rented it. I started watching it, and I uh, I fell asleep, and I didn't see the whole thing. And then later, I saw the end of it Mm. and i've seen the ending of it like three or four times jesus so i think that i assumed that i had seen it like all the way through in a linear way yeah you like like got the coles notes and you were like got it but i've experienced it more like the main character of slaughterhouse five experiences reality (laughs) you know i've dropped him for pieces here then bam i'm back over there in the future with the trafalgarians 
Something like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a brilliant book. <laughs> it is so good. Well, that's that's too bad. Have you ever seen it all the way through? I think this was my first time seeing it all the way oh, through. Oh, my Lord. But then I'm not actually sure because... So you just saw the highlight reels, the best ofs, and you didn't see the movie all the way through. But I'm not sure because I, this movie plays in such an unconventional way. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel like I missed anything when I was rewatching it this time. I was like, right. yes, I remember that. I remember Meryl. I remember Marlon. Right. Yes, all the like uh, star starlets from the studio era, <laughs> Marlon and Meryl and stuff. Anyway, so yeah, I was very happy that we would get to revisit it. And you know, it's also a movie that like I've read a lot about. It gets yeah. talked about in university courses. Yeah, it's philosophy like a... of Truman Show, religion of Truman Show. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I I feel like I have seen this movie more than I actually have. You might have studied this movie more than you saw it. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I feel like there are a lot of people out there in that boat with you. Right. Waves crashing down upon it, trying to drown you all. That's what happens in the movie. We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. All right. So, do you want to break down the movie for people that maybe have just read an essay on it and have never seen it? <laughs> okay. So, The Truman Show is a movie about The Truman Show. What? What? And we get it all right from the beginning because it comes from Ed Harris's giant talking head. (laughs) Head Harris. (laughs) Yeah. It's very extreme, Mm -hmm. the the first image. Like, it just feels way too close to us. It's not not comfortable. No. (laughs) And we see interviews with all of these creatives on this show, The Truman Show, Mm -hmm. which is a giant reality TV program that everybody tunes into that follows the life of this guy named Truman Burbank. (laughs) Because the huge set they've built this, like, town in is in Burbank. Yeah, we got that. It takes up most of Los Angeles, though. I don't think it's just in Burbank. When, like, we see the bird's eye view of it, it's like, that's right. expensive. They probably changed a bunch of tax codes. <laughs> yeah, probably. So that they could, it's all in Burr. It's one town, you know. It's like a Disney thing. <laughs> yeah, it feels like they just put a dome over most of Los Angeles. Did you know that, like, that's what Mel Lastman wanted to do with Toronto at one point? <sighs> was put a dome <laughs> over all of fucking Toronto? Mayor Lastman, now our second craziest mayor. <laughs> <laughs> God, and then The Simpsons took that and ran with it and made the movie from it. Oh, but that really? Was like Is that a what real, it's from? It was a real thing. And Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, and Stephen King, yeah. Fucking under the dome. Originally, it was just about the Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> but Truman, he his life is pretty normal. It's very mm. average. He's not doing anything spectacular, which no. would entertain the masses. <laughs> no, he's like an insurance salesman. He has like a kind of normal 1950s-esque Home life. Mm-hmm. And, like, his day seems to follow the same beats. Like, he gets up, he goes to work, he says hi to these people. There's, like, the two creepy twins. He says his catchphrase, mm-hmm. which is... Good morning, in case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Yeah. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or smoking. <laughs> I think that was the other, other one that he used in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Give me a paper there, will you, Errol? Oh, and uh, one of these. My wife. Loves her fashion mags. 
That be all for you, Truman? That's the whole kit and caboodle. Catch you later. Gotcha. Yeah. Morning, Truman. Oh. Morning, Truman. Morning, Truman. Morning, Truman. Hey, how are you guys? Beautiful day, isn't oh, it? Always. Uh, and how's your lovely wife? Good. Good. How about yours? Oh, couldn't be better. Good. Good. But it's a very sort of mundane, everyman sort of existence. You may say that he is the true <laughs> and. He, yes, his middle the name is that are, that are true. He's very true. <laughs> well, he's been working out. You know, that's why he's so true. But he starts to notice that things are a bit awry in yeah. his world. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, a giant fucking light almost falls on him. Yeah, like for now, like one of those like stage lights. I thought it was like a park hand. Oh, might might have been. Yeah, yeah. It looked like it had a for now lens. Anyway, I don't know. Feeder kids. Yeah. But, I mean, that is some – that is concerning, right? Yeah. Who's putting on this show? Lights are falling out of the sky. <laughs> and, like, almost murdering the only person you have to take care of. Right. That's right. It's like a meter away from him. Well, presumably, like, other extras have met their death <laughs> yeah. during the production of this show. Yeah. I mean, luckily it has the same scare tactics that bombs in the Second World War had with, like, those little whistles on them. Like, it felt like it had a slide whistle on the side. <laughs> All the way down. It's very cartoony. A safety device. Yeah, exactly. It warns you that's going to happen. But he's kind of freaked out. But then the radio says, oh, no, a plane. A plane kind of fell apart. Lost a piece of its engine. Right. Apparently it lights its own engine or something. <laughs> but all's not perfect in his life. No. <laughs> like, he lives on this island. It's called uh, SeaWorld. Is that what it's called? <laughs> He helps an orca escape at one point. Sea Haven Island. Yeah. And he, at one point, he goes and buys a boat ticket. Right. Yeah. And it seems like... This show is just fucking with him at this point. Because <laughs> we already know that he lost his dad when he was younger. Well, he we don't know this at this point. Oh, okay. He, it's just something that he does, and, you know, it seems casual. And we wonder, like, oh, how is this going to work? Like, is he just going to get out? Right. He's going to escape this uh But he this buys the ticket world. and yeah. then he can't do it. Right. He's the afraid. Fear. The fear gets to him. It's the mind killer. Yeah. So he can't go on the boat. And there's all these like little tests that this show throw, throws him. Like it's almost like it's designed to catch the viewer up to what Truman's been living in. Most of the people watching this show have been watching for their whole lives. Right. And for his whole life, right? So it feels – when I was watching this time, I felt a little like – Oh, there's a lot of exposition in here that we don't – it feels a little uh, jarring at times. Yeah. Like we we can get that he's afraid of the ocean. He says he doesn't want to fly. He's very cloistered in this in this small town. We You know, we get that. Mm-hmm. And then we can see the flashback later. I don't know. It just feels like why is this show testing him all the time when like that testing might spur him to overcome his fear same time you know? that's just the format of the show it's like survivor okay you know there's yeah, yeah. challenges different yeah. things but everybody i mean it's it is watched by millions and there's even like a truman cafe that people are watching from yeah 
And there's that uh, Olan Jones woman from Edward Scissorhands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's great. Seems to be a big fan. And she's the one who shows us the flashback. There was at one point another woman that Truman was interested in. Yeah. But she wasn't part of the plot. She was just an extra. Yeah. And, and, and Truman's been like going through magazines and like making a weird. Right. Like <laughs> horrifying. Uh, collage. Collage of this woman. Yeah. It's definitely a serial killer collage. Definitely. It's pretty Buffalo Bill. But she's kind of a serial killer, too. When we do flash back to her, she has, like, her whole board full of yarn and, like, pegs of different actors in the show that she's trying to get to. Right. To get to Truman. Yeah. So, yeah, there's this kind of flashback where we meet this other woman that uh, Truman falls in love with that wasn't part of the plot. Mm-hmm. And uh, she tries to tell him that he's on a show, but he doesn't quite understand. And then she's whisked away. Yeah. Yeah, he's even, like, staring at her when he has his uh, very orchestrated meet-cute with his wife. Yeah. Laura Linney. Yeah. Who's great. I mean, yeah, she's great in this movie. Yeah. Did her and Jim Carrey have a relationship? No. Okay, great. I don't think so. I think it was Mary, like, the woman who played Merry Christmas from Dumb and right, Dumber. Right, that's was, like, what I'm co-star thinking. co-star of. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah, and then I don't think he dated a co-star again. Okay. Yeah, until he wanted he to be He wasn't in a movie with Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> I think they might have some movies of their own. Uh, but uh, Whoa. <laughs> it, no, they're all about inoculations. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, yeah, so, yeah, he's uh, he's broken up. He, yeah. you know, even though he's married, he still pines for this woman. Yeah, and he kind of starts realizing that things are awry and amiss when – is his his wife has their fingers crossed in one of their wedding photos? Right, um, that always hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. you look at your wedding photos I, after this? I, plane? I combed the fuck through them, <laughs> and I I didn't see any. But I'm gonna go back to that photographer for sure. <laughs> no, anybody from the back angle? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and he starts to suspect things when, like, the the radio messes up and he starts hearing right. his own life being orchestrated. Right. That's just sh- that's just shoddy, like, yeah, crewmanship, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's Trumanship? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. He also, like, goes into a building and uh, the elevator isn't built yet. Yeah. So he sees, like, the actors behind the – sitting in their folding chairs and stuff. That's right. And they all have to, like, scramble and, uh, yeah. you know, make it not an elevator. I know. And all these, like, retconning things they do to make it seem like he's going crazy, like gaslighting him. Yeah. And there's always people who, after the fact, tell him, like, oh, yes – that building was under construction for that reason. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. My my favorite bit of this is when he really, really starts suspecting and he goes, he follows his wife um, to the hospital. Right. And she's, a, and she's a nurse, surgeon, surgeon's assistant. And so she – Truman's watching the, <laughs> the surgery and the actor has to actually cut into a woman, <laughs> which I can only imagine the lawyers watching this at home being like, oh, my God, no. Well, even I was kind of like – you know, you feel the kind of tension. Yeah. I felt bad for that poor guy. Like I hope that A – First of all, I hope that he's not just some extra being paid like a hundred bucks and yeah. a lunch. You mean the person getting cut into? Yeah, in the yes. reality of the show. Yeah, yeah. Like exactly. I hope that he's got like some sort of like special. I don't. I don't know how equity pay works, but no, that's a stunt. That's. A, I think that would be a stunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So you get, you know, an extra $100 that day. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> but that's kind of fun. And they have, like, a lot of fun in world with that stuff, with, like, Truman suspecting and going a little crazy. But his, his best friend kind of comes to the rescue when he does really snap and, and take Meryl hostage. Yeah. I mean, that moment's, like... It's insane. Crazy. Like, he, he, he takes her hostage with a, with a knife. Yeah, with, like, this thing that she is uh, – which is great because it's a thing that she's trying to sell on, on air. Right. Because they have all this product placement all the way through, yeah. which I thought was another little stroke of genius I loved. And uh, so the advertisers for that are probably like, what did you – we're suing you. <laughs> like, he, use it as a weapon? There's no bad publicity. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, he, yeah, Marlon has to, like, essentially, like, step in. And that's the point where Laura Linney breaks character. She's like yeah. – Really? Are you going to let this happen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one's stopping it. The director isn't calling cut. Nothing's happening. No one's coming in to save her except Marlon, his friend, finally comes in and kind of talks him down from the ledge. This whole thing, we should back up a little bit and say it's it was started when he saw his dad, who was supposed to be dead on the boat in the street. Right. And so he goes kind of insane being like, he's not dead. He's out there. Maybe he had a twin. I don't know how to explain this. Yeah. And that would have been a great way to explain it. But they don't. The director actually brings the dad back when uh, Marlon's talking him off that ledge. Yeah. Well, at first they kidnap him. Right. Like off the set. (laughs) Onto the bus. Yeah. Yeah. Dad? It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I love the world that he lives in and, like, the structure. It very fe- much feels like a Kafka story. Yeah. You know, like, he's unaware. We're kind of aware. Mm-hmm. He's just going through, like, these processes without knowing what's happening. Yeah, and you feel for him, like, the uh, – I don't know if, like, anyone in your life has ever kind of, like, tried to gaslight you, but it's a crazy-making experience where you're like – sorry, no, they have. I'll tell you right now. They have. <laughs> Just start gaslighting you on that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's like this crazy-making thing where you're like, no, I watched that happen. They're like, no, it never happened. You're like, I put uh, – you know. Has that happened to you? Yeah, uh, a little bit. Was it me? <laughs> no, you've tried. Tried. No, I no, you haven't. No, I, I someone did that to me at one point, and it was just it was just a you know a crazy making experience where I was like Damn. we could we could deal with this stuff if we could talk about it, but we Damn. could never talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So like watching it, I I hadn't had that experience before watching Truman Show again, and then having that experience and and watching Truman Show again, I was like this is horrifying. Just this poor guy. Everyone is making him insane. Like, he is experiencing reality on very many different wavelengths, and everyone's lying to him on every one of them. And yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it was kind of hard to watch at some points. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I, I felt for him so much. For sure. Yeah. As he suspects more and more, yeah. we also see more and more of Ed Harris's character, Kristoff, yeah. sort of freaking out. Not so much freaking out, but, like, trying to damage control – the situation because he has like network execs he's just the director of the show so mm-hmm. there's a whole machine behind him that he needs to answer to yeah that's right philip baker hall yeah it's in there yeah yeah that's <laughs> adds great. like a, a second of gravitas to the program <laughs> and then he's out 
Yeah. Then he's never seen him again. And we also have Paul Giamatti as yeah. the, uh, I don't know, something. <laughs> he's there. He, he was a great side character for a little while. He was like in My Best Friend's Wedding. As yeah. Side char- it was perfect performance. And in this, that like last scene with him, we'll get there, uh, him hitting Truman in the boat with the weather, is you just, he makes that scene work for me. Yeah. For this sure. was peak Paul Giamatti. <laughs> peak Paul. You know, yeah. I think before sideways, because then, you know, he just went all. Yeah, kind of went know. sideways. <laughs> That's right. All right. So he he does kind of go insane. He does pull back a little bit, though, when his father is reintroduced. Right. And yeah. they say he had amnesia or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Which, and like, th- that old trope. Come on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it works on TV. Yeah. yeah. So there is that point where Truman does seem to go back completely to normal. He's saying the same things to everyone. He's going back to work. He's yeah. he's doing the game, and all seems to be right with the world. Right, but we find out that he's acting. Right, and he uh, quickly finds a way to disappear by uh, pretending to make like a big pile of junk, and then he he basically Ferris Bueller's his way out of the yeah. situation. <laughs> he puts like a snoring tape machine on, and there's a snowman in his sleeping bag. It's very weird. Does he have Ferris Bueller in his world? I don't know. I feel like I feel like no, because he only has fifties esque like TV shows that right. he watches. He watches this one about like this boy and his dad. Like that's the one that he loves the most. So anyway, I, in the world of the movie, the movie Ferris Bueller references the Truman Show. Oh my lord! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes missing, and so they do something that they've never done. In all the 30-something years of the program, they stop the transmission mm. and they search for him. Yeah, and I love that he, like, turns the sun on at one point. Yeah. He's like, we can't find him in the dark. Turn it on. Turn the sun on. They're like, no. And he's like, yes, hit him. <laughs> so then he kind of realizes that the only place they're not watching is the kind of simulated ocean they have. Yeah. Because, of course, Truman wouldn't go there. But when they look, he's in the goddamn boat. Mm-hmm. Truman has overcome his fear because they've tested him too much, Rob. I'm telling you, he was tested too much, and he overcame his fear. And learned to sail. <laughs> well, I feel like he knew how to sail a little bit from being a kid with his dad. Oh. Sailing that boat. He was did... it a sailboat? Yeah, it was a sailboat, okay. I think. all right. Yeah, and he did get back to land, presumably after his dad drowned. Okay. He should have taken some CPR lessons instead of sailing lessons. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the they're both uh, handy. Yeah. But when, when Truman's found, Kristoff, the mad director, is like, hit him with, like, make him go back. Oh, yeah. Hit him with some waves, hit him with some weather. Yeah, this part's crazy when the, the storm happens and uh, they almost drown him. I mean, it seems like he might actually be drowned. They capsize him and he's tied to the boat. And then they turn off the storm and the boat sort of rights itself yeah. and undrowns him. <laughs> With the very flexible Jim Carrey, like, half off the boat. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but he's alive and he sails on and this is my favorite moment of the whole movie is when it, like, goes right. silent and the mast hits the wall. Oh, that's just a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful, like, Peter Weir just knocks it out of the park. It's so good. Yeah, it's iconic. Yeah, and then the music swells up, and he's trying to get out, and then he walks along to that door, mm-hmm. and they have that big kind of final confrontation with Kristoff being like, you should stay. You can't leave, Truman. Please, 
You belong here. Talk to me. Say something. Well, say something, goddammit. You're on television. You're live to the whole world. He tells him that he can exist here in a world without fear, which is the thing that he is the most afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gives his patented one-liner. Yeah. And leaves into the dark. Yeah. And it's it's such like a weird self-contained movie because it just ends there. Yeah, well we go to the audience for one last visit. Right. And they're all, you know, finding something else to watch. Yeah. There's probably like a million imitation shows. There's like the Bland show where, you know, Oh, Bland it's TV is right there you know, doing this podcast and uh <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Get it early if you watch the Blaine show. I blabbed. Abort. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, I'm crazy. Well, I mean, this is a real thing, and we'll talk about that, too. Oh, my God. Uh, but when we come back from uh, from this message, that might just be us talking to you again. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Rewatchability. And uh, Merry Christmas. If you just tune into the middle of this, which you can't as a podcast, no. not like we're on the radio. I mean, you could butt fast forward. That's right. what's happened to me. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> good. Well, to catch you up, Rewatchability is a podcast about <laughs> – I have some trivia for you, Rob. Okay. And then we have some behind the scenes. We're going to go into religion here. This is, this is uh, going to be a massive I'm, – I'm going to stay an okay. atheist. <laughs> okay. Yeah, me, me too. Um, it's going to be awkward. Okay, so the trivia for you. Three questions. Well, okay. Paul Giamatti. Yes. Was in this movie. Yes. He was also in another Jim Carrey film. Which one was it? Oh. Oof. Act harder. You know this. <laughs> Is he in The Grinch? No. <laughs> no, he's not in The Grinch. Oh. <laughs> Just drinking some wine. Oh, Eternal Sunshine? No, not Eternal oh, okay. Sunshine. Man in the Moon. I didn't know that. Oh, well, I thought you were. It was actually Jim Carrey's next film. Really? Yeah, and Paul Giamatti's next film. So they, <laughs> they, were, they were bosom buddies for a little while. Well, they could both commiserate with each other for not winning Oscars, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, and Paul Giamatti like, saw Jim. Did you ever see that Man in the Moon documentary about Jim Carrey? No. Jim and Andy, I think it was Oh, called? yeah, I've seen bits of it. Whew. Man. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Giamatti probably did not like Jim Carrey after both these movies. <laughs> I don't know. He wasn't so insufferable in the last one. Because <laughs> there was also stuff on this movie like the no one could mention any other film to Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey was like trying to live as Truman in this world. Right. So he was like, you can look at me like I'm an actor because I am and I need to be weirded out by that. But you can't mention Jim Carrey. 
which is part of my whole thing. I think it started his like depersonalization thing, right? That right. he's going through right now is like Jim Carrey is the actor. I am something different. Start with the Truman Show. I think, I think acting this movie was a little fine crack in the China of his psyche. Right, and uh, it is. Opened up. Man wide. in the Moon was the uh, oh man the, <laughs> the dam bursting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So instead of getting paid his usual twenty million dollars at the time, wow, Jim Carrey, man of the people, took a pay cut so that he could perform the role of Truman and the show could get made. It was only a sixty million dollar budget. You can't have a third of the budget go to him. No. So what was he paid for this film, Rob? Nineteen million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. That's in the spirit. $12 million still. Okay. Like, Jesus. I, a man got to eat. And pay Laura them. Linney $5. <laughs> Equality. <laughs> and she had to use that slice and dice chef <laughs> tool. I know. She... she was pitching those products, too. <laughs> it's like, can I take these home? Uh, Jim wants those. Yeah. They were gifted to her on set. She's like, oh, the only woman gets the chef tools. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Typical. All right. So Truman, at one point, says that he wants to go to Fiji. Right. Because uh, the, the woman that he loves, her her dad, says, we're, we're going to Fiji. Right. Yeah. And he says it's the furthest you can get from Florida without coming back, which would make it Florida's antipode. Mm. Yeah. Oh. So that's incorrect. Oh. What is actually F- Fiji's antipode I, I feel like i saw this did you yeah nice. isn't it like somewhere in vietnam it is that is uh, entirely incorrect oh <laughs> <laughs> it is in mali okay. near the mountain of timbuktu right yeah that's what i saw there you go i, <laughs> vietnam. I knew it wasn't like wyoming <laughs> yeah i know it's not wyoming <laughs> great well you did right you, you did good those we are all the questions? Coal. Yeah. Oh, those, man. Those are the questions. I don't know. I feel like I didn't – I don't know. No, I feel you like did. you could have given me one of those. You did fine. Well, I can give you one of these. <laughs> I, uh, Listen to those records. <laughs> I'm sure. I don't want to take the erotic one back home. <laughs> you think I want to take that home to my wife? <laughs> what is this, Blaine? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's from a movie. No. All right. So JM couldn't be here today, no, uh, because uh, because he wanted to spend Christmas with his family, mm-hmm. which I think is bullshit. <laughs> Fuck family. <laughs> We're here <laughs> on uh, Christmas Day. On Christmas Day. Okay, but he wanted he wanted us to mention something, okay. which was the crazy first draft of this script. Oh. And there wasn't just one first draft. There were 16 first drafts of this script. Before, That's not how first drafts work. <laughs> before Peter Weir came on board. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about Truman Show V.1. Okay. Okay. So uh, it was called The Malcolm Show. That's ridiculous. And there was quotes on the script, one from Lily Tomlin. Uh, she said, we're all in this alone, which I thought was a great quote. Nice. I fucking love Lily Tomlin. Yeah, she's great. She's so good. Do you watch Grace and Frankie? No, I don't. Oh, you suck, dude. I like it. 
<laughs> I don't watch it either. No, what the but, fuck you do? But I suck. My girlfriend does, though, and it's that's, pretty. It's that's pretty, great. Yeah. Well, but I watch key, it with I her sometimes, and I'm like, you know. Those guys, those guys are great. That's awesome. I did watch the first two episodes, and then uh, told Netflix to never, never show me that again. You can do that. No, no, I just screamed at the screen. Okay. Yeah. There was also an Edward Hopper painting uh, of a room by the sea. Okay. On the front of it, which is just like uh, it's like a normal vestibule. The door opens out onto the ocean, though. So that kind of like makes you feel maybe a little Truman Show esque, like with the ocean there and the fakeness of it all. Wait, what are we talking about? This is the, the script, the beginning of the script. Oh, okay. Anyway, in uh, in this version, everything's the same. Okay. Except that it's not a sunny seaside Florida town. It is downtown New York. Ooh. Built inside the studio. Oh, yeah. And it's like a grisly Wait, taxi driver. Wait, do they use driver. Toronto? <laughs> As New York, that would have been great. Just putting a box of the Empire State Building over the CN Tower. Yep. And oh, don't come up here. <laughs> Why are you revolving? Um, <laughs> Elevator's broken. Use the stairs. Ah, oh, don't use the stairs. <laughs> it was like a rain-drenched kind of taxi driver-esque New York on the Hollywood soundstage. Truman himself was addicted to alcohol and oh, drugs. Oh, man. And his marriage to Merrill was going downhill fast. He was seeing a prostitute. <laughs> and so this is like one of those first drafts that's like very close to the writer's life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We're looking at you, Andrew Nickel. No. <laughs> he gave us Gattaca. He did give us – and then he gave us In Time. Yeah, other things which are not so great. Yeah. He's fallen on rough times again. <laughs> <laughs> so the prostitute at one point, he like dresses her up. As the girl that he that left that went to Fiji. Oh yes, and so okay. he's pretending that she's her and sleeping with her. Well, that's slightly less creepy than the Buffalo Bill, you know. Yeah, collage. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, and then at one point she says, uh, "Hey Truman, where you been? You've been cheating on me." She's <laughs> like, "It's like down and out, sc- sc- scuttled." <laughs> Prostitute. Scuttled. <laughs> this is horrible. You scuttle a prostitute. It's just it's like, like an old boat. That's terrible. And then there is no TV show. We don't see the TV show aspect of this until the third act. It's a reveal. Oh. But there's been someone following him around all movie. And that's Kristoff with like a headset. And he like peeks out from corners and is like, oh, there he is. Uh, and I, I don't know why he doesn't have like a central place looked down on him the moon was was a good call and then at one point when truman's going through his psychotic break he grabs a random newborn baby (laughs) by a random mother passerby and he says say my name or i'll smash its head open so he threatens to kill this baby unless she like confesses that this world isn't real (laughs) Which, which is insane and um, I mean, the ratings would be great. They'd be they'd be through the roof. And then uh, the the final thing instead of cutting in black, as as Truman finally steps outside in the real world, uh, Nichols' script ended with seeing him three flee through the Hollywood back lot, take a tour guide hostage, and then have like this standoff gun standoff with Kristoff on the roof. Wow. 
Yeah. I'm so glad none of that is in this movie. Yeah. I mean, first of all, that sounds like very Running Man-ish. Yeah. Like very dystopia, very crass, You know 80s. what it also sounds like? What? Synecdoche, New York. Oh, uh, well, except for Synecdoche, New York's great or depressing. I can't decide which right now. I was, de- I was depressed for two weeks after. I, like, needed to go back to therapy after I watched the movie. It was <laughs> horrifying. Yeah. Uh, but the man following him around... Him being in his own world of his own kind of creation, being addicted to drugs and alcohol. Also, he sees his his daughter as a prostitute at one point. Like, feels like very, like, the down and out world, very the same. Right. Like, a lot of those things are in the original Truman Show, which is very interesting. I'm not saying that he stole it. I'm just saying that, like... You're going to send Charlie Kaufman on a crisis of confidence that we're never going to recover from when we see the movie of it. (laughs) (laughs) Did I make this movie? Did I steal from this? Ah. Who will play him? Who will play him? I don't know. Probably someone on fire covered by pigeons or something. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But it does, I just feel like maybe it's not stolen. I don't think it's stolen. But like you said, when a writer is writing their own life a little bit, these things happen. It's this very like male... Like mach- machismo thing that comes through, and even Charlie Kaufman is not immune to it. Uh, so, anyway, now to the behind the scenes, Rob. Okay, I'm tell you a bit about how this movie came to be. Behind the scenes of behind the scenes, exactly. Okay, so I forgot to talk about my favorite part of this movie, please, which is where Philip Glass is just randomly live scoring <laughs> the scene. <laughs> I like saw him, and I was like, "Is that is that Philip?" Glass, and then I had to go and see his like the, it was actually a cameo by him. But he's like not even the composer of this movie. It uses like all of his music. There's like that really great bit from Mishima at the end. Oh, so yeah, good. his music is so fucking. Oh, good. I should have gotten you the soundtrack to Mishima. Well, I would really appreciate that. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> Thanks for the Blue Lagoon, though. <laughs> Thanks for that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was funny. But he's not even the composer <laughs> of the movie. I was no. like. I know. It's weird. Throw him a gig. But it's kind of it's nice to see him there. He has to keep his taxi driver's license because he's so afraid that he'll run out of money. Really? Yeah. That's like a story about uh, Philip Glass. I love Philip Glass. He's like, he's like a, he's a character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in an interview, Peter Weir stated that he wanted to have cameras installed mm-hmm. in all the theaters that were showing this movie. And instead Uh-oh. of instead of cutting, is this re- going a pervy direction? Yeah. Uh, instead of cutting to first, the- he wanted them installed in the bathrooms. <laughs> when, when they told him no, he was like, "Okay, fine, just the theaters." <laughs> um, just twirling his mustache. But I am Peter Weir. Put it in the. Mu- it's actually bathroom. Peter Weird. <laughs> um, no, he wanted for when it cut to the audience for it to show us. The audience watching the Truman Show. Oh, for us to feel that that like voyeurism. I don't know. So he's saying every theater should install like this specialized closed circuit camera that the projector will turn off or like be moved out of the way, and then like a different thing would come (laughs) on. Yeah. And the projectionist, which is a thing that doesn't exist anymore, would have to do this. Listen, is it so much crazier than saying, I have a new format for film in general that every theater showing 
this fucking blue Smurf movie <laughs> has to use because it's going to be in 3D, that thing that no one wants. Is that any crazier, Rob? No. I'm just saying Peter Weir didn't have the level of clout that Cameron did. Well, this didn't make bazillion, bazillion dollars. <laughs> no, but it was successful. It was successful. It was all right. It right. didn't make it. didn't make the the gigawatts of. But dollars. it's like an exponential success because it like was a smaller movie that looked big and got like a big return, right? Yeah, it was only sixty million, which actually was it was kind of big at the time. Yeah. They wouldn't let uh, Andrew Nichol was going to direct it, and they wouldn't let Andrew Nichol direct it because he wanted eighty million for it, and they were like. This is the right. most expensive film school we'll ever have. Mm-hmm. We don't want a first-time director to do that. So uh, back then, Gary Oldman was going to star in the tiny, kind of taxi driver-esque version of it. Ooh. Yeah, very different movie. Okay. And then Sam Raimi came in. <laughs> he was going to direct. And that didn't happen. But that would have been kind of interesting. Yeah, I like that. But the most interesting director attached to it that uh, read the script and then quit was Canada's Own. David Cronenberg. Oh, okay. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, Truman gets like a flesh centipede out of his torso. Oh, and it's man. Like, yeah. Turn on the TV. He gets All sucked into a TV. His <laughs> <laughs> like fingers just turn into like buttons on a clicker, like remote <laughs> control. Yeah, man. Ah, uh, but that I would do. Be great. I do love the fuck out of Videodrome. Yeah. <laughs> the the gun vagina. The, the guy oh, opens right. his vagina is yeah, yeah. the gun. Yeah, even Naked Lunch. like that. Oh, uh, I love Naked Lunch. Yeah, like that sort of thing I could see. Anyway, yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. Cronenberg Tur- turned it down. Mm-hmm. And then um, Weir came in because he said, I don't know to whom, but he said, find me a broken script. One that I can fix, apparently in that voice. Wow. With a cigar in his mouth. He's English. I don't know why he was putting on an American accent. But he he did that, and they handed him Truman Show, uh, that first draft of it, and he was like, we need to make it funny. Got to make this funny, and we got to put Jim Carrey in it, and that's when it kind of turned into the Truman Show that we see today. Right. And it's like a very different movie. Well, all the plot points are the same, and like – Discovering Truman Discovering is the same. It's just that we know it's a TV show at the beginning and it's Florida, this this sunny seaside right. town. The other thing that's kind of interesting is that this town is real. It's a real town. What? 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 And it's run by the Seaside Institute. What? 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 That sounds evil. Yeah. <laughs> because Florida, apparently you go to Florida to like make your own – country or city like Walt Disney did. Right. And this guy uh, did too. I didn't write his name down, unfortunately. He's in the movie at one point on a bench, uh, he and his wife. And they inherited 80 acres of uh, seaside Florida, and they started building and designing a city built on certain principles. Uh, <laughs> one, They weren't like racist principles, were they? <laughs> One that a camera had to be included in every washroom. No, I, the one that uh, they weren't racist principles, although I'm sure it's pretty white. From the looks of all the extras that they actually did get from that town to right. be in this movie, uh, it's, it's pretty white. 
It's called the New Urbanism Movement. They created it while they created this town, and it right. got adopted into a bunch of other, like, Connecticut towns and other towns okay. around the U.S. And so it's, like, big, wide boulevards, lock, lots of, like, walking-only spaces. Yeah. Uh, especially in commercial centers. And then, I don't know why this is part of it, but every house had to have a front porch. Yeah. So you could yell at kids from it, <laughs> exactly. shake your fist. Get off yeah. my lawn! Yeah, you didn't have to have a lawn, though, so I don't... I don't know. Get off the shared walkways. <laughs> Get off my pebbles. But I thought that was kind of interesting that, like, this whole town started a, a new yeah. movement in architecture. Yeah. I find and, that and interesting and as city well. city planning. Um, Until it all went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that's kind of interesting is that Peter Weir filmed this in a TV aspect ratio. Oh. Closer to the 4 by 3 that kind of we knew as TV in the 90s. Right. And every everything, if you see this in widescreen, it's just cropped on the top. Okay. So you're missing so much of the image if that happens. Oh, no. I know. This is just like watching The Simpsons on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I didn't hear that they did that Damn the Simpsons. Damn you, Weir. No. Yeah. That's too bad. Damn you, Disney. <laughs> yeah, the original DVD is the only one that has the, the kind of director's version of this movie on it. Right. And it's uh, it's DVD quality. So <laughs> Excellent. That's great. Also, the last thing I kind of say about the behind the scenes is that the start of production was delayed for, for a year because Jim Carrey had to film two movies, Cable Guy and Liar Liar, while preparing for this role. Oh, man. Yeah. This is like right at the end of Good Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah, I know. Before he becomes like crazy method Jim Carrey. Yeah, and then like we get like one blip of broken Jim Carrey does really well in Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. And then back to crazy Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> there are some deleted scenes too that kind of give more context to this world. There are some that uh, – several that were cut that has like Marlon mm-hmm. feeling really bad about lying to Jim. Ah, oh, I like that. Yeah. And at one point, he finds Truman in the search, and then he lets him go. He's like, go. Run for it. Flee. Nice. I like that guy. That's uh, Noah Emmerich, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He does a good job. Yeah. I, I also like the scene where Jim Carrey comes to talk to him, and he's, like, restocking the candy bars, and we see it from the thing. Yeah. From he the like, camera inside. Yeah. He, like, restocks the candy bars, and then when Jim Carrey isn't looking, he takes back out the candy bars so that he doesn't have to doesn't have to finish his task. It's like actor business. Oh, that's fun. I didn't notice that. Yeah, that's cool. It's neat. I like that. I like some of the, like, improv-y things that they allowed Jim to do on this as well because it wasn't ever over the top, I didn't think. Uh-huh. Although, I mean, some of his things when he was going crazy, I could see some cable guy in it. But for the most part, it felt really true to this – a kind of very congenial, sheltered guy losing his mind. Yeah. And and there's that one moment when he's at the vending machine and he really wants his friend to come with him and his friend is kind of giving all these excuses. He just kind of barks at him in this weird, like, impulsive way. And I, I really liked it. Yeah. I thought it was a good moment. I have to say, though, I don't, I, I don't know if I... I don't know if I love Jim Carrey in this movie. I think yeah. he does a really good job, but I don't know if he's the right person. Like, he just doesn't have a natural resting face. <laughs> he doesn't seem like he can, like, process any emotions without doing, like, a parody of that emotion. Like, his face is always 
it's always too big. Like right. even when he is like discovering that he's been living in the simulation and uh, you know the thing has crashed through the thing and he's getting out, he looks like he looks like he's in like a parody of of like wonder and fear. Yeah, you know, or astonishment or whatever it is. Yeah, it's big reactions. And it's hard to I don't know identify with Jim Carrey because he just he seems larger than life. Right. I don't know if that's a problem for the movie, but I also sort of wonder like if it had somebody who you sort of like who is more of an everyman sort of actor. Like whether it would be a movie that uh, you can sink into deeper. Yeah. I mean, I really want to watch Eternal Sunshine after watching this because I feel that I loved Jim Carrey's serious turns until the number 27 or whatever it was. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, But I I mean, I loved Eternal Sunshine. It's one of my favorite movies and this was too. But I do – See, after all my griping when I was a teenager, like why, why won't, wouldn't you give the like comedian best actor? Like he deserves it. I don't know if he deserves it. Yeah, I don't know if he deserves it. He does such a great job, but I don't think he does a stellar job. I don't think he does the best job of the year. Yeah, in in that year. So I think I have to agree. Do you know what else was nominated that year? <laughs> no, we can look it up. <laughs> no, we don't have to. But uh, I I think that you're a little you're a little right. I side with you a little bit just because. I think he does a great job for Jim Carrey. I think he breaks through a lot of his own boundaries when for doing sure. this movie. Personal best. Yeah. But would another actor have delivered? Maybe. And yeah. and probably. And I think Peter Weir was a little myopic when it came to casting Jim Carrey. That he'd like postpone this movie and only do this movie if Jim Carrey did it. Right. So there are other actors out there. Probably not Gary Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> probably not Gary Oldman at all. <laughs> The last thing I'll, I'll say about this this movie is that did you notice the recurring kind of one three nine that happened in this in this movie? It no, is his no. own number twenty seven. Oh no! Uh, and it refers to um, there's there's a part on the boat. The boat is docked number one three nine or something. And, okay. Um, and then Kristoff references it as well. Uh, this is Psalm one three nine out of the Bible, and it's pretty. It ties in. It ties okay. in a lot. It's in Bible. It's I know. It's long. I'm not going to read it all because, I don't know, would God smite? I don't know. I'm an atheist. Would that? He might. Yeah, he might. She might. You yeah. know, I'm just going to throw that out there. Alanis Morissette and dogma. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there's a lot of things in here. There's like 24 little sentences, but um, some of them are, you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Apparently this person's Whoa. talking about God. Maybe about uh you discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. This is kind of like Christoph is the God for, for this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? I feel like Jim feels that in this movie. Mm. And then uh, another one I thought was kind of cool is uh, pertaining to the end. This is kind of God saying it. If, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you, and night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. That's when Christo turns on the lights. Exactly. I don't know. Thought it was kind of cool. Wow. T- tied into all that. Damn, they should give God a writing credit. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> so what's, like, the religiosity of this movie? Because, yeah, like, I guess 
what, I drove a bunch of people crazy or what happened? No, it wasn't that it drove a bunch of people crazy. It's that a bunch of people have this as their coined in like the DSM uh, thing that's they struggle with. A lot of people believe that not a lot. Some people believe okay. they are in a TV show designed around them. Right. The one experience that I heard on the radio, and I don't know who this guy is, and maybe someone can help me out because I just heard on CBC while I was driving, but he was making a TV show about the fact that he has the Truman Show syndrome. And while doing that... Whoa. Yeah, like it, it just goes into so many levels. He was making it for HBO. He had, he had had a psychotic break. And they were like, let's make a TV show about you thinking you're in a TV show like the Truman Show. And he was like, great, but... I've already thought that you've come and told me about this. Like, I've been living in this for a while. Like, I've thought you were filming me on several occasions already, and you're not. And so now, like, the director has to tell him when they're filming all the time. Wow. And when they've stopped filming. That seems like an ethical conundrum. Right? Like, this guy is just really trying to make it. He's a comedian. He's really trying to make it. And this, I don't know. Yeah, it, it feels like maybe someone's taking advantage of him a little bit. Yeah. Or maybe... It's like David Duchovny in Californication. Like oh, maybe not, no. maybe not give a guy with a like a, a sexual addiction a show where he has sexual addictions. Yeah, I don't know. Did you bring up Californication because Natasha McGallaghan's in this movie? Yeah, well, she's she's. I love her in that. Yeah, show. the person who gets like the most shit in Californication. I know. That's the only thing I know her from. I think. Yeah, but she's good in this. She's good. Yeah. Sorry, eating ice cream one time. You saw? I know. Whoa. I know. Big star moment. Big star okay. moment. I was in line to get ice cream waiting for an hour because it's Toronto. Did she say, Blaine, they all know about you? <laughs> no, nah, she's there with her family and looked like they were having a good time. So I just... I asked for an autograph. I, and... I, I just I just took a lot of pictures <laughs> and video and started yelling at her so she'd respond to me. Gave her a screenplay and... <laughs> That she'd be great for this part. We could rewrite it for her. Yeah, yeah. Please, please, please. <laughs> <Just> begging. <laughs> I'm a writer, god damn it. Yeah, no. So that's kind of the Truman Show. Wow. Did you – you didn't ever watch it all the way through, but did you feel like it was rewatchable when you watched it? Were there new moments that you discovered? Were there things that you kind of fell into now? You're like, oh, OK. I understand what they're doing there. Yeah, I do think it's rewatchable, but I also think that it's like one of those things that's like it's kind of like an existentialist play or like, you know, like a Kafka short story where you're like, man, this is cool when you're like, you know, 16 and then you're like, well, it's still pretty cool, but uh, it's also kind of simple in ways. Yeah, I think that it hasn't aged well just because so many other people have talked about it, mm -hmm. have dissected it, mm -hmm. have made movies around it and mm -hmm. kind of predicated a whole style of television because Survivor well, came out in the next year, you know? Exactly. Like, it's not a super f big stretch from, like, the sort of entertainment that people watch now. I mean, everybody watches reality TV. You might even say that reality TV has blah, 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 White House, Trump, kill us all, please. <laughs> But <laughs> just the Wilhelm scream as you <laughs> fall into the pit. Oh, God, what's going to happen? But in this reality show that is our life, you know, more and more people are expected to sort of 
share aspects of their lives for yeah. the entertainment of others. We do it ourselves on this very podcast. Right. You know, we're all performing all the time on mm-hmm. social media. Everything is a mirror. Mm-hmm. At this point, so it's a movie that is both like more relevant than ever, but also like less shocking than ever. Yeah. You're like, I would <laughs> yeah. have some ethical concerns if they like raised a baby from birth and you know didn't tell him that he was living in a show. Like, is he Actra or <laughs> you know because there's got to yeah. be some to get his wages the insurance job yeah, yeah like, uh, we this, just want to make sure everything's above the board union wise mostly and the other thing was going to happen there's a, a deleted scene where Christoph explains that when Truman conceives another child with a woman that child will be the spin-off show oh that's so fucked yeah i know but also like there's lots of really fucked stuff on television now which you can just watch. You can just watch it and people don't seem to have any ethical qualms about it. Like, you know, like uh, things about plastic surgery and like... The Swan? That was like maybe the worst, the lowest moment in American TV Or but even like things where they sort of show it as like shocking. I mean, it yeah. in itself perpetuates the whole industry and, yeah. you know, normalizes things. I, I once worked with, worked with a guy that worked on a reality TV show about a famous rapper um, late, later in their years. And the please tell me it's uh, Flavor Flav. <laughs> I'm not going to say who. Flav. I'm not going to say who. But apparently, the director of the episode literally gave the the guy know this um, instruction. He was like, "Can you make that person hit the crystal meth again? Because we didn't get it from the right angle." Wow. And it was just like, how is that like allowed? How is that? Um, I think if anything, Truman Show is is definitely not shocking, but it's kind of the it should have been the tombstone on it. Like it should have been the 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 stanchion that we no, don't pass. It just opened Pandora's box. Yeah, and that makes me feel kind of bad. That I'm sure Peter Weir and Andrew Nichol were like, yeah, this will stop what's starting to happen with Big Brother. That like because I think they had Real World or something before this. Right. Well, that's starting to happen. Let's like let's shock this into like a Black Mirror esque way, and it won't happen. And it just went into overdrive, and now we. All performing all the time, like you said. Yeah, yeah. But I thought I thought it was rewatchable. I thought yeah. there was like a lot of cool little moments. Jim Carrey is very watchable. Laura Linney yeah. is very good. There's so many little things to notice and little advertisements happening in the background, right? Which makes it rife for rewatchability. I almost wish that there was a little bit more of the movie. Like it was yeah. pretty short. I kind of wanted to see the character break out of the world a bit. Or like and take Christoph hostage on the top. That's right. Okay, and kill him. Just kill him. <laughs> or you know, like find that girl, or find something, or like at least get yeah. out there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It does seem to end abruptly. We want a little bit more packaging than that. But he's not no longer being filmed. You know, mm-hmm. he's no longer being filmed, so we can't follow that end of the story. But in the world, you're being filmed everywhere. Well, now, yeah. Big they should just okay. Here's what they should have done. Here's the dystopian ending. He escapes and he thinks he's free. Right. But, you know, we can get him from basically every angle. Right. Yeah, yeah. People with their phones and CCTV cameras and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's Truman 2.0. Yeah. They they should do a sequel. (laughs) Truman has been living in the world. He thinks it's all past. But then uh, Fresnel falls on him (laughs) again. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I think we agree. It's it's, yeah. it's it, you say it's partially rewatchable. I think I say it's very rewatchable. I, I think it's all the way rewatchable. I just yeah. think I, there are some quibbles. You yeah, know? totally. It's not a perfect movie. No, it's not a perfect. But movie. it is a movie that's so different and you know does a lot of wonderful things. It's a and, great movie. And did them for the first time at the time, which I think is, well, is a little overlooked. Well, there was also stuff like Ed TV. Ed TV came out two years later. Well, not in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dennis Hopper was supposed to play the Ed. Uh, oh yeah, the character. And, I kind of want to see that version. Like I Dennis know. Hopper would be amazing. I know. <laughs> Pop <like>, quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Turn on the storm. <laughs> I don't care if he drowns. <laughs> but Dennis Hopper then went on to be in Ed TV. Oh, so he he got his weird thing that he wanted to be in a movie about a guy on TV. Oh, I miss that guy. Yeah, me too. But that's it for rewatchability this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, happy holiday. You know, if if you you're one of those people that do the the things, the Christmas things, the Christmas. No, it's the New Year's things where you write them down. Oh, resolutions. Resolutions. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't see it. But if you do that, then you know we wish you luck on that. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back in the new year to see how you've uh, how you've held up, which is probably not well. <laughs> I never do, I never do well on my resolutions. Wow, <laughs> I never do them. We're expecting people to like fail on the rev- resolutions before like January second. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody! Happy holidays! And I should say Merry Christmas to all of our E one friends as well. Happy holidays! Yeah, we forget thanks, them guys. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they will, they they don't want to speak on the podcast, and they don't want to be referenced like we're doing right now. No, I'm sorry. Just the shrug. Fuck you guys <laughs> for even bringing me up. Anyway, happy holidays and happy new year, and we will see you in the next decade. Yeah. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.